Welcome back to the Chicago Tomahawk. I'm Mike. I've got Matt and our guest, Jay Khan, with me. And today we're going to be talking about uh, yesterday on the on Jake's show, The Point with Boomer on Sirius XM Radio. They gave Stan Bowman, or I would say Jake gave Stan Bowman a C plus and Boomer gave him a D plus. And um, and obviously I feel a little differently about the about the grades. And we've got a few questions from our listeners. So, Jake, how you doing, man? What's going on? I'm doing great, guys. Great to jump on with you. And uh, whether you liked the the moves the Blackhawks made or you didn't like the moves the Blackhawks made, at least they were entertaining this offseason, right? It's a fun team to talk about because so many teams we've done these GM report cards for, we're about halfway through as I talk to you guys right now. There's a lot of teams in the league that there's just like no meat on the bone. It's just not even fun to talk about those teams. So at the very least, Chicago's fun to talk about right now, whatever side of the fence you happen to be on. So I'm I'm happy to join you guys and talk about what's been a a really fun offseason for the Hawks so far. Yeah, no kidding. You know, actually, Matt has a has a question. You you're, you're going right into it, Matt. Why don't you lead into your uh, your question about the uh, the two teams? Oh, the two teams that are the probably most boring teams. I kind of listened yesterday, and I I think I know what teams you're going to say. Like the worst teams, worst off season teams. I want to hear your opinion. See if I'm right, Mike. <laughs> well, there's there's a few there's a few options actually that I could kind of go top two top two top yeah. two in terms of like boring to talk about. There's actually one that we did today. Horrible moves, nothing, maybe nothing at all. Horrible draft trades, signings. Well, I know Buffalo, what Buffalo's got to be there, but at least okay. Buffalo can be exciting in the way that they're just so bad. Like it's like that car crash, train wreck type situation with buffalo arizona is another team where it's just you're just beating your head against the wall every year yeah one and detroit was a team that we talked about today that's just they're patient they're they're staying patient and it might end up being the right thing to do for for the red wings but it's there's just not a lot to talk about there it's just not very exciting they don't really do much and and steve eiserman's clearly just staying as patient as possible was there another one that i missed though (laughs) i thought for sure you were gonna say i I got one right Yes, the Ducks. Yes, you're right. You're right. You you guys burn them all the time, and they they deserve it. They're terrible. There's no meat on that bone. (laughs) Zero meat. I I know Robin Raquel is or Richard Raquel, right? Ricard Raquel. Ricard Raquel. Yeah. Ricard. He's like the only guy that I've known for a while. And Gibson, obviously, he's he's a stud. But he's got nobody. Like Boomer said. You feel bad for the guy. He's never had a good offense in front of him, and when he did. Anderson was the starter, so he's never really had a shot. And then, uh, Anna, or I'm sorry, not Anna, uh, Arizona. I was going to say Phoenix, but uh, they'll always be Phoenix to me. But they're <laughs> terrible too. Like the trades, like what were you thinking? Uh, uh, Garland, he's like their only good player, and they included him with OEL to Vancouver. That's just brutal to me. I can't like what what are they doing? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what they're doing too. The one thing, if I'm going to say something nice about Arizona, and it's tough because they've they've been brutal for a long time. I think there's no really secret to that. Uh, a lot of it was cleaning up the mess that John Chaika left. Like if I were to split the grade for Arizona, it'd be an easy F for Chaika for what he did over the past few seasons. And I think Armstrong coming in now is is doing his best to clean up that mess. Like he he didn't get handed uh, a great team here, no. so I think he's doing his best to try to accumulate some assets and and see what he can do and turn this thing around. But Unfortunately for Yotes fans, it's going to be a lot more years of pain before they can even come close to being a, a decent team again. Well, who's in net? We, they, got yeah. rid of, they got rid of, I thought, the only 
good decent guy that could actually win him a game is Kemper and he's gone now so it's like what are we doing here it's going to be like an AHL squad yeah right now it looks like Carter Hutton is like the only goaltender under contract that actually seems like he could feasibly be a starter and that's not really saying a lot I, I believe no. he's mid-30s right now I don't know if they maybe go out and find somebody else during a free agency here before the season starts just to have somebody to start there but they're clearly showing that they they're I don't want to say they're in full tank mode but they're pretty close like they're saying hey we're going to bottom out here with a couple of good drafts coming up and we're not going to be able to score I mean you mentioned Garland leaving he's like the only guy that could actually score consistently there he's gone I don't know where the goals are going to come from and and like you mentioned no goaltending either so could be a really real tough year in the desert this year how about carolina you know sending up mm-hmm. nadelkovich dude i i did not see that coming and they've also made some other questionable moves can you can you comment on on carolina and, and, and what their direction is yeah i was a little shocked by that the whole nadelkovich situation as well and that was something we discussed when we did the the gm report cards for the carolina hurricanes because i just assumed after what we saw from him over the course of the season i know it was kind of a small sample size but he looked really good he played some important playoff games for them and uh, they eventually lost to a really good team so i just assumed he was going to come back i was a little bit surprised i will say they've they've done a good job since uh, moving on from nadelkovich in solidifying that goaltending position there's question marks in terms of health about frederick anderson and auntie ranta but if you can tell me both of those guys are going to be healthy that's a pretty good goaltending combination going into next year. So I'm still really bullish on the Canes, even though there's been a couple of head-scratching moves like the Nadelkovich move or not bringing him back, uh, like you mentioned, and Dougie Hamilton as well. I mean, you're out, you know, your top defenseman. I'm sure they didn't want to pay that kind of term and the kind of money that he got with the New Jersey Devils, but that's still a pretty big hole to fill now on the back end going into next year. Well, cool. So moving on to the Hawks, now I think that there is definitely some... Uh, if you want to take Stan Bowman's words on, you know, that he's supposed to be rebuilding. And normally when we mention rebuilding, we're talking about completely wiping a team, starting over from scratch, getting many draft picks, developing draft picks, bringing guys up. And then when these guys are, are, are ready to make a push, you trade for some big free agents and then you transform a team. It seems like Bowman, I don't know, is skipping a major part of it. And decided, hey, you know what? I think that we're gonna make a we're gonna make a run for it. I think Bowman did a good job in this offseason because he he plugged a lot of holes and he made a big changes in the areas that the Hawks needed changes the most. We had uh, absolutely poor defense last year. We uh, we signed Seth Jones. I would have liked to have signed him for eight point five million. He got a nine point five million gig. He was more than likely a most sought off, a most sought after free agent this year. Um, we picked up Jake McCabe, who is a defensive defenseman. He's going to hit people, and he's kind of like that defensive guy that we've needed. You know, a lot of people are saying that Duncan Keith is over the hill, and because you know the the defense is so bad, but. I don't think a lot of people realize that Duncan Keith is an offensive defenseman and his his shortcomings were covered up by uh, Brent Seabrook for years because he would skate the puck up, Brent Seabrook would stay back, he'd play defense, and then uh, Keith would, would hurry back. So when the Hawks lose Seabrook and you know they're going through this somewhat semi-rebuild stage and they're left with Duncan Keith who has these flaws in his defensive game to mentor these young kids, 
the defense sucks and they're saying that he sucks and it's like well you know what you're that's not the type of guy that he is he needs to be able to to skate the puck up not sit back and play defense so picking up uh picking up uh, actually McCabe I think is one of the, probably the biggest that we have next to uh next to Seth Jones uh, add in uh, Riley Stillman, who's going to be who has some physical game to him. Throw in Ian Mitchell and Wyatt Kalanuk, and you know what, man, we have we have a defense with us. N- add in Fleury on the at at the goaltending position, and Lincoln has somebody to look up to, look to see what it's like to be with a real professional. You know, instead of you know Malcolm Subban, who you know, I'm sorry to say. He's not an NHL caliber goalie. He's more of an AHLer, to be honest with you. Agreed, yeah. And uh, so splitting time with you know maybe Flurry and Lincoln in 60-40 or even 50-50 gives Lincoln that opportunity to play and gives Flurry an opportunity to, even at his age, uh, not really burn himself out. And uh, with Taves coming back, we traded off uh, what well, we did not sign P.S. Uh, Suter and Kempf, which I'm uh, really surprised we didn't sign Kempf. And we, we got Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson is an absolutely huge signing for the Blackhawks because, A, he's a fast guy. B, he can play with really talented players. You you, you put him in between Kane and Debrinkit, and this guy can win faceoffs, which is what we need, which is what Kane really hasn't had very often in the in the past few years, which improves the possession game for the Blackhawks. Taves comes back. You know, on the first line, hey, man, we're rolling down the middle uh, pretty solid. So pretty much what I'm saying is, is that the Hawks down the middle at the center position have gotten way better. The defensive side of the position have gotten better. And the goalie and the, the goalie conundrum, uh, we have a tandem now to, to play defense with, has gotten better. So in, in your opinion, do you think that Stan Bowman made enough moves or do you think that he made too many? Well, this is clearly a better team than it was before the offseason started. I, I think we can all safely look at it and you can maybe knock the money that Seth Jones got. You can knock a move here and there. But if we're just strictly looking at the roster and what it's going to be going into this year compared to the roster in what it was last year, this is a better team. This is a team that can compete for a playoff spot at the very least. And you get a, a healthy Kirby Doc, which I'm really excited about. And you mentioned Jonathan Taves coming back and being healthy. Very happy he's able just to play hockey again because I know yeah. there were some fears of that at one point so just as a hockey fan and someone that's really rooted for Taves you know going back to his days playing world juniors for for team Canada um, I'm happy to see that for, for Jonathan Taves so I was curious when I when I was coming on with you guys and I, I'd like to get your takes on this just in terms of, of a philosophy perspective here from the Blackhawks because last time I came on with you this before all of this happened we were kind of shooting it around to think what are the Hawks going to be here moving forward do you start to sell off some of these older players and really go full rebuild you know do you try to go one last kick at the can with these guys and it seems like they've made their decision that they're going to go for it one more time uh, you've got two years left on the, the Kane and Taves deals both ten and a half million dollars per season so I think Stan Bowman sees a window here to say, well, these contracts are going to expire in a couple of years. Patrick Kane's still an elite player in this league, one of the top players in the National Hockey League. We hope Jonathan Taves comes back and is the Jonathan Taves that he was before uh, he was out and and he was out of the lineup. And you you throw Kirby Dock in there and all the moves that you've made to solidify the goaltending and the defense. And you think, 
okay, this actually might be a, a pretty decent team here. So I think Stan Bowman's done a, a good enough job, probably as good of a job as he could have done in the offseason with only so much to work with. And you obviously need dance partners to make these sorts of things happen. I think he did all he could to try to put a roster on the ice for the next two years with Kane and Taves still under contract to at the very least be a playoff team. And then you could see what happens when you get into the playoffs. I'm hesitant to put them anywhere more than just a playoff team. Like I, I can't put them into that cup contender status just yet. I need to see it no. first. But I do look at this roster and I see potential as a playoff team. And now that we know that Marc-Andre Fleury is going to play, I know there was question marks about that when they brought him in, that maybe he would just retire. And he clearly needed some time to sort of assess the situation and realize that he's no longer a Vegas Golden Knight. He seems happy to be a Blackhawk now. He seems happy to put on that jersey. And I'm sure guys like Taves and Kane have hit him up, you know, since the, the deal was made. And, and Jonathan Taves being a Canadian guy as well, probably saying, you know, hey, we've got a pretty good team here. Let, let's go run it back and, and see if we can win something. So now that I know Marc-Andre Fleury is going to play, I, I like it a lot more because I, I can see a legit number one in Fleury and Lankinen, uh, who I trust as well, uh, I think will be in more of a role he should be in than just being like the number one guy with no real backup there. So I think it slots in nicely. And I, I don't know where you guys stand if you think this was the right move or if you think that maybe they should have been selling off some of these older players instead. Go ahead, Matt. You go first. I'm I'm on board with it actually. I I was I think the Hawks are actually very lucky. Like Keith said he wanted to be closer to family. And I mean, I think we would have been not saying we're stuck with him, but I mean, I don't think the Hawks were going to trade him. But when we did, we freed up money and we got rid of uh Seabrook's contract. Shaw's retire or he had to retire and so, I mean, we got cap space, and I I mean, last time we talked, we were talking about Seth Jones, too. Me and Mike have always yeah. been, we were like, we're going to get him, we're going to get him. And yeah, you guys were on got, early. Yeah. We were, we were. And, you um, heard it here first. <laughs> it's true. I I was so happy we signed him, and the money I honestly don't care too much about, because this year we're practically getting him for free. If you think about $5 million, that's for a guy like him, it's like nothing. I mean, Zadorov wanted $6 million and he yeah. might get it. So that's just that's yeah. crazy. But when you like you said, when their contracts are up, do you think Kane would take a pay cut to like keep a good team around him for a couple more seasons after that? Like like the hometown discount. I mean, he's made his money, you know, and I, I think Jones might be our highest paid guy. So, I mean, they got to see like he's the next face of our franchise, I think. I think it will depend on where the Hawks are at there, right, for Patrick Kane. And we've seen other star players take discounts in the past, and it worked out. Actually, Sidney Crosby did it early, early in his career with the Pittsburgh Penguins, taking less money than he probably could have could have received oh, in saying like, that yeah. he did that on purpose so that Pittsburgh could spread around the cap a little bit more. And obviously, they had other superstar players like Malkin and Latang on that roster as well. Uh, but it paid dividends. I, I mean, I think he's probably happier now to sit with those Stanley Cup rings than he would be with a few extra million dollars, right? I know I would yeah. be personally. So I think it comes down to the player. Obviously, everybody's a little bit different, but there's already been speculation that Nathan McKinnon, whose contract is up, uh, you know, talk about cheap deals. Nathan McKinnon is just, he's <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> that he should uh, yeah. be, right? And he's already yeah. come out and said that he's he's willing to take a hometown discount with Colorado, which isn't shocking to me because he's buddies with Sidney Crosby. They are from the same small town uh, in Nova Scotia, which is it's kind of crazy to think. Um, and they, they spend the offseason together. Apparently, they're really, really close. So no surprise that Nathan McKinnon's going to kind of follow in the footsteps of, of Sidney Crosby and try to do that same thing. 
I don't know where Patrick Kane would come into that. I, I think, again, yeah. it would just come down to to where the Hawks are at. If the Hawks are really competitive at that point when his deal's up, maybe he does look around and, and say, hey, this team could win a Stanley Cup. I really like it here. I'm comfortable here. I've been here my entire career, so I'm not going to ask them for the sun and the moon. Uh, but if the Hawks are struggling he, and he's still playing really good hockey, um, you, you know, he deserves yeah. to go out there and, and try to get as much money as he can, which would, probably would be his last big contract at, at this point, right into his 30s now. It kind of reminds me of like Joe Sackick, like in the what can you, I guess it was like the mid two thousands. He was like taking five million a year, and they were kind of building a solid team around him. Then he retired, but I'm hoping like Kane and Taves sort of take that similar road. You know, like cool. hey, we got some young guys coming up, and I want to finish my career here. I'm hoping. I mean, I what do you think, Mike? Around eight would be fair for those guys. Like, oh well, yeah, here I'll just I'll just go ahead and give my take. Um, I think that what they're doing is is right in line with what I wanted them to do. We probably have about five years max left of Kane and Taves. And Kane and Taves are, there's going to be statues of them, you know, who, other than the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, who can say that they drafted two pillars back-to-back of their franchise. And um, I'm predicting it right now. Kane and Taves are going to go out with five cups. And, um, and, and this, is, <laughs> this, is, this is the start of it. Uh, Kirby Doc is going to need a contract, and DeBrinket is going to be due some money uh, coming up within around three to four years. So I think that they're going to take uh, team team friendly deals at about maybe eight million a piece, seven between te- seven point five and eight million a piece uh, to maybe sign uh, a center because Taves his offensive production is has always been kind of mediocre, but it's been both sides of the ice of where he plays really well. Uh, I'm, I'm, this is just my prediction. We're going to sign a big center maybe in a few years um, that can uh, play more of that offensive role, and Taves is going to play heavy uh, defensive minutes uh, to kind of end out the twilight of his career. But uh, I like where, where Bowman is going. This is where we need to go. Uh, this is These are the cornerstones of the franchise. Everything that they have right now is built on that those cups, Everything is, is built on top of that. And um, they, need to, uh, they, they need to go down with the ship. And when they, when they retire, you know, they can blow it up at that point if they want. Or maybe they can figure out a way to, um, uh, figure out a way to, to keep the ship going with uh, Kirby Doc and Debrinkit at, um, at, at, at the forefront. Well, I actually, you know, kind of wanted to bring this up too, because when we're talking about the philosophy and you mentioned the fact that you feel like Kane and Taves still have some great years left. And I would agree with that. I I think Kane is still a top player in the NHL. There's no doubt in my mind. Taves will see what he has to offer after, you know, missing a whole season. But before that, he was, he was great. He was kind of bouncing back and looked, looked more like the old Jonathan Taves after maybe a couple down years. Uh, It's interesting because there's a couple teams that are kind of doing the same thing right now that had a ton of success. Chicago is one of them. LA is the other team, right? And we, you know, we saw LA and Chicago kind of go head to head a lot in that Western Conference for years there. Brutal. Um, yeah, and yeah, they were. It was a, a great rivalry between the two teams, and they were the two top teams in the Western Conference at the time. It seemed like year in year out, one of those teams was going to make it through the Western Conference and get to the Cup Final. They're both kind of going about this uh, in a similar way. They both got veteran players that were there when they won cups. In LA's instance, it's Andre Kopitar, who still, to me, he would be the Patrick Kane comparison, like the top player that's still got a lot to offer. Uh, Drew Doughty on the back end, he's overpaid. I think he's making $11 million right (laughs) now, which is a lot of money. 
but he's still a good player. I, I mean, he's not an $11 million player, but he's still a great defenseman, and you still have Jonathan Quick between the pipes. So they have those kind of veteran pillars, and they're sort of trying to build in this you know, youthful energy with draft picks, and they're kind of, it's almost like a rebuild on the fly with still using some of your veterans. And I think Chicago's kind of doing the same thing right now. You have those young studs like Doc and like Debrinkit, and you still have these veteran players. And I think it's a mix that could work. Those are the types of teams I feel like do have success come playoff time because you have those veterans to lean on. You have those Canes and, and the Taves that have been through it before to, to bring the young guys along. And I think that's better than just a really youthful team that, you know, is all trying to learn at the same time. So uh, I think that, I think it's, I think we could see, you know, a bounce back of that old rivalry. I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but I, I like what the Kings are doing. I like what the Hawks are doing in, in trying to get something out of the last few years of these veteran players. I always thought that it was incredible how, you know, the Hawks would be, you know, top of the central, you know, maybe second, and then the Kings would just barely squeak in at, at the eighth seed and become this juggernaut that, you know, yeah. nobody could 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 play against. You know, it was just absolutely uh, in, incredible. Um, but, yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Matt. What about you, Matt? I just got a quick question. Do you think the Kings will make the playoffs with their recent moves? I do. Really? Yeah, I have them well, in the playoffs right now. Weak. The division's yeah. horrible. Yeah, it's it's yeah. bad. It's Vegas, and then it's filling the blanks with the with two other teams. And one of them, I think, is going to be Edmonton. And I don't even like Edmonton. I'm I'm not yeah, I'm not on board with a lot of what they've they've done this offseason. But they have McDavid and they have Drysaitel, and I think that's enough to to get them a playoff spot in kind of a weak Pacific division. So I'm going to give Edmonton one of those spots. And as we stand right now, obviously things Vancouver? could change. Van- Vancouver and LA are the two teams that I'm kind of trying to decide between because I really like Vancouver. I think they had a weird season, but I I was bullish on them going into the year. I think when healthy, uh, they look loaded and they look ready to go. So it'll be a, you know, Vancouver and LA, I'll kind of be throwing those two teams around for a spot and maybe the other one even gets a wild card. They'll certainly be in the conversation. But yeah, I, I think the Kings are a team that uh, that's going to compete for a playoff spot. And I think the Hawks are a team that's are that's kind of similar. They're going to compete for a playoff spot. Wild card, probably be on that bubble. Wild card. Yeah, in yeah. a good season, maybe they even get in, into the top three. But I think wild card's probably more realistic where we stand right now. Jake, could you give Edmonton uh, an F? Considering, yes. considering, <laughs> you know, they, they have some dire needs and it seems like none of them were, were, were taken care of. Goaltending. Yeah, I gave them a D because I woke up on the right side of the bed uh, the, day, the day that I gave the grade. So I was like, okay. And, and honestly, uh, you know, you talk to some of these general managers, getting them on the phone to, to do some of these shows over the years. You, you're not going to meet a much nicer guy than Ken Holland. He's just yeah. like salt of the He's earth, awesome. nicest, yeah. nicest guy. So, you know, it's hard for me to trash the guy, but I yeah. have to be realistic. I have to look at the moves and, and kind of give my opinion. And I just don't think Edmonton did what they needed to do in this offseason. I, I think goaltending was the one spot that I thought you just can't roll Koskinen and Smith back out there. And I understand Smith had a good season last year, but that's for the expectations that we set for Mike Smith, a 39-year-old goaltender who's going to be 40 soon. Do, do we real, realistically see the the Oilers going on a cup run with Koskinen and Smith? I, I just no. don't see it. So they needed to address the goaltending position. They didn't do it. And it was frustrating to see that goaltending carousel go around and land on different teams. And, you know, Nedeljkovic goes for basically nothing. And, uh, you know, even the Hawks bring in Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm seeing all these moves. For- and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking, where's Edmonton? Like, wh- why can't they jump in on one of these moves? And they seemed, you know, like they were looking at other shiny toys and they really seemed enamored with Zach Hyman, uh, who I think is a good player. But I, I just don't think that should have been a priority for, for the Edmonton no. Oilers. And I, I think out of all the teams, I, I think they were the most frustrating for me this offseason because I don't think they addressed what they needed to. 
do do you think that um the Hawks won that trade again with Duncan Keith? I thought Edmonton was crazy for taking that deal. And yeah. I love Duncan Keith. He's like my all-time favorite Blackhawk. And I just couldn't believe that they took his cap with no salary retained and they yeah, pretty much that's... gave us Jones's little brother for just in 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 it. So just that, to, help the, to help us get that's the, the deal. key right yeah, yeah that's <laughs> yeah. the key no no yeah. salary retained was the shocking part of the whole thing to me and i i think the hawks made out like bandits because they've, they're trying to get yeah. get rid of duncan keith anyways um you know they they get rid of him and they get something back in return and, and they get rid of that money off the books which i think is key if, if they're going to want to compete uh for a couple more years here so i love the deal for chicago and that's not to say that uh, the Edmonton Oilers can't be competitive with Duncan Keith. I actually think Duncan Keith will slot in okay for the Oilers, mm-hmm. and he'll give them some decent minutes uh, on the back end in a, a lesser role behind some of the, the Oilers' top defensemen there. So I'm not saying that he's he's going to be ineffective for the Oilers, but I, I think if you are looking for a winner or a loser, it's a clear win for the Blackhawks sure. in that deal. Absolutely. Yep. So before we get to questions, I had one more for you. You know, Colorado lost a Brandon Saad, second line, left wing. You know, I think that that's a big hole that he's going to lose, not just offensively, but defensively. Do you think that, and they lost Grubauer. Do you think that these are two, like, do, do you think that with these two moves, not, you know, keeping these guys lowers them in the, in the expectations for next year? Not for me. I, I, I mean, you can definitely look at those moves and, and say that, they lost a little bit of something, but I still feel like they're the top team. If they're not the cup favorite, they're probably second or third. I, I think we maybe have to make Tampa the cup favorite at this point, even though I, I think going three in a row is just ridiculous. But just based on the odds, you probably have to. Yeah, champ, you got to make them. They're Champa Bay at this point, right? So you got to uh, you got to make them the favorite at, at this point. Uh, but I still think Colorado's right there. I still think they're an unbelievable team, top to bottom. Uh, I think I can. I think you can survive without Brandon Saad. And I, the Grubauer thing got me a little bit more because I, I feel like what we saw in the playoffs this year. You look at the teams that made it to the the final four. Uh, I don't think we could call them the conference finals this year, but the final four. Everybody had a, a stud goaltender. Everybody had a, a you know a highly paid goaltender. And I think the Avs' philosophy is. They don't want to get locked into a long contract and give a goaltender big money. And I, I tend to agree with that. That would be my philosophy if I was a general manager as well. I'd want to save on goaltending. But I do think that you know maybe we learned something this year or maybe it was just a, a one-off this season that you do need those goaltenders if you want to win 16 games uh, come springtime. And I just worry that Darcy Kemper can stay healthy. He just, he just can't seem to stay on the ice long enough for an entire season, let alone an entire season and 16 wins in the springtime. So yeah. uh, I have my concerns about the goaltending position in Colorado for sure. But if you can guarantee me, you know, if we can do the video game thing where you turn injuries off, uh, yeah, I like Darcy Kemper. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a great goaltender, but unfortunately we can't do that in real life and injuries are going to pop up. So hope, hoping for him, he stays healthy. That's, that's for sure. All right, cool. So we're going to move on to our first question, and this is from uh, Nick H., and he goes, uh, I'd like to hear Jake's opinion on how long we can realistically expect Fleury to be with the Hawks and how that mm. will affect the handling of Lankinen. I would like to see a 60-40 Fleury-Lankinen split. What does Jake think? Well, I'm with him on the 60-40 split. I, I think I can get there with that. Maybe even closer to a 70-30 for Fleury, but uh, it's obviously going to come down to, to who's playing well. And Lankinen showed he's he's pretty legit, right? So yeah. um, I like Lankinen. I think he does deserve a, a good chunk of starts. And 
if you're Chicago and you do feel like you have a chance to go on a run come playoff time, it, it would be good to keep Flurry as fresh as possible and not wear him out too much at his age throughout the course of the season. So I can get behind 60-40. I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Uh, in terms of how long he's going to be there, you guys both know he's got one year uh, on the deal. So for me, it's almost like a... I don't want to say a tryout because we know what Fleury is at this point. You know, we know what he's all about. He's he's coming off of Vesna Trophy, so he's clearly playing well. Right. Um, I'm not comfortable going past one year or guaranteeing anything past a year. I think this is the Hawks saying, hey, we're going to bring him in. We've got our goaltender for this year. And even if he plays well, I, I still think they could move on from him just based on the money that he would possibly command on that contract. And if Lankanen plays well enough, for you to say, hey, this is the next guy in line. We're comfortable kind of passing off the torch to him. Uh, I do think it could just be a one-off for Marc-Andre Fleury. And he's already speculated that he might be close to retirement. So we don't know if he even wants to play past this year. And um, I've listened to some interviews now with Fleury now that he's you know accepted that he's going to play for Chicago. And he has mentioned a, a couple times, at least in the interview that, that I, I listened to, uh, that he's excited to kind of coach up Lankinen. And he's he knows he's, he's going to take on that responsibility as kind of a mentor for, for Lankinen. So maybe he feels like this is just a one-off year. He's going to go for it with the Hawks, see if he can catch lightning in a bottle, and then pass the torch over to over to Kevin Lankinen. Man, you're telling right. me exactly what I want to hear. Yeah. Great, <laughs> yeah. great mentor. He's got one of the best mentors. Oh, yeah. the, and, and for the room Amazing. too, right? Like I know oh, we're not actually in these rooms, but when you hear it enough from everybody in the league, like when you hear one story from someone to say, yeah, this guy's a great guy or this guy's fun. You are like, okay, yeah, he, you might've just had a good experience with him, but other people might not. When you hear it from hundreds of people in the hockey community, then you know, it's legit. And I, I think Fleury's going to go into that room and he's going to maybe add something, a, a different energy. Uh, and if they get on a roll, I could see this being a really fun team to be around, you know, the United yeah. center with fans back in the building and the Hawks kind of rolling in a playoff spot. I, I could see it being a team that catches some good vibes this year. Seth Jones taking uh, slappers from the point and yes. us actually having a power play. Coast to coast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you guys you guys missed the old power plays. Right? It's been a while. <laughs> so uh, on to our next question from Blake Murray. He says, uh, how does Reichel make it? Out, does he make it out of camp and start with the Hawks or is he going to mm. be in Rockford? Really keen to see him play. Where do you think Reichel f- fits in? Yeah, that's it would be a, a guess for me at this point, but I would expect now based on, on what they've added and, you know, you bring, you, you talk about Tyler Johnson coming in now, a healthy Jonathan Taves, and, and they added some other pieces. You get the healthy uh, Kirby Doc back there. My best guess is that he would start in, in the American Hockey League. I don't see why there needs to be a, a real rush to bring him in at, at his age, but if he shows enough in, in camp, I, I mean... I, I wouldn't hate the idea of it. It's just to burn a, a year on his entry level as well uh, is always difficult. You have to kind of weigh that if whether it's worth it, uh, whether you think it's ready, or whether you think the player is ready. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I'd like to get your guys' take on on this as well, where you stand on bringing these kids up because you just don't like the NHL is no place for teenagers unless no. you're Connor McDavid or you're one of these generational prospects where there's just no other league for you to play in. So you got to play in the NHL. Uh, I tend to think most players that come in as teenagers struggle and sometimes it can hurt your confidence. So I, I like to see these players groomed a bit in the American hockey league, which is a really tough league. It's not an easy league to go play in. I think, I don't think I mentioned Blake Murray. That's who the question was from. I want to give him a shout out. He's one of the original six, one of our original six fans. So where I sit on it is, uh, let's see where he's at in camp. You know, uh, we really don't have any glaring holes that need to be filled, at least offensively right now. 
but uh, I would like to see, uh, you know, what he has to offer. Maybe I would say maybe a month in, in, um, in Rockford and then, you know, let's move him up, see what he's like for about, you know, 10 games and then, uh, and then take it from there. I don't think there's a rush right now because I think that we're in, let's try to make the playoffs playoff mode. Let's make sure that this team can gel together, get some, uh, get some chemistry with the boys and, uh, and, and take it from there, you know, moving guys in and out, in and out of, of, of the roster, like they did with Mitchell and Bowden last year. I, I think, I mm. personally think was detrimental to their, uh, to their development. And uh, I don't want to see that happen to Reichel. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Mike, but I think last year we didn't have a choice. We had to do that. We didn't have any other, you know, any other solutions we had to, pretty much throw these guys into the fire and they failed at times and they succeeded at times. But I think now with our team, we don't have to do that. I think he can develop now in Rockford. That's just my take. You know what, man, I would have set, I would have rather have played Bowden than played Zadarov, you know, give or take maybe 100% of the season, to be honest with you. I, I just thought that Zadarov was, was that bad. And considering that, you know, we were paying him three point five million. I, I just why didn't. He's playing though, what's, he's got that hit. Well, yeah, he's sure. Him. He can hit, you know, but I think there's a deep, there's a difference between bringing physicality to the game and and being uh, and being a plus than just going out and hitting guys and you know you getting burned, you know, half the time. But anyways, we'll move on to our next question from Piercy. So. With the Hawks' revamp roster, how long of a leash does Colladin have? If the Hawks are garbage by Christmas, mm. is he gone? Seems like there's no time for fucking around with him anymore. Not with this <laughs> roster. Thoughts? You know, it's funny because he mentioned like this, this man, one. and this was my first question. I had a, I had a notepad of, of questions that I wanted to ask you, and it was about Colladin. I personally think that Colladin is the weakest link in what is going on with the roster and the team right now. What is going to happen with him? What are your thoughts? Well, I, I like this question a lot. I think it's important. It's not something we've really talked about yet on the show. Maybe it's something we'll pass around. Yeah, 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 we'll steal it. We'll steal it for our team previews, actually, which we're doing uh, later, th- later this month. <laughs> where we, yeah, where we, where we look at every team for an entire hour. So I, I don't think the leash is very long here on Colladin, especially because now he has something to work with. I, I right. feel like previous years you could look sure. at it and say, well, what's he supposed to do, right? The, the blue line was a disaster and, you know, the goaltending situation wasn't exactly perfect at times either while he was there uh, and they were just leaking oil on a nightly basis. But now you got a bit of a blue line to work with. You obviously bring in Seth Jones, who's a legit number one. You, you talked about Jake McCabe a little bit as well. So there's at least something to work with there. Is it the best blue line in the league? No, but I, I think it's at least above average at this point. So I don't think he has that excuse anymore of, you know, this is a bare bones team with, with nothing to work with. I think this is a team very capable of making the playoffs uh, this season. So if it's a if it's a bad start, I don't know how bad the start would have to be. Uh, but th- we've seen general managers have a, a pretty itchy trigger finger, and I, I think the fact uh, that the Blackhawks are kind of chips in the middle at this point and they're making some of these moves puts a bit more pressure on them to succeed. So we're not going into this season thinking, well, this is going to be a lottery team. This season's kind of a lost season. There's some expectations uh, on this team now going into this year. And if they're towards the bottom of the standings, you know, even a quarter way through the season, midway through the season, uh, I don't think it's out of the question that maybe Carlton could be gone and there's a bit of that midseason wake-up call. 
Well, how long before Tortorella is our coach? <laughs> oh, man. Well, he's on ESPN now, so yeah. we're prime away from, from He'll TV. He'll quit. He'll quit. Yeah, he will. He loves he will. Chicago. A, I know he does. And he's a coach, too. Yeah, like that, he is. Yeah. We, were, we yeah. were actually talking about that on the, on the show today, about John Tortorella and how yeah. entertaining he could possibly be on TV because there's so much potential there. But I said, um, you know, it's tough when you got one foot in the door of television and he's kind of doing this as a stopgap until his next head coaching position. Like, like Boudreaux. Yeah, he's not uh, really yeah. going to unleash on guys, right? Like he's not going to trash guys on <laughs> yeah. TV and then all of a sudden get <laughs> hired by that team and then he's coaching that guy and like like later that week, he's like, wait, I just heard you on TV like three weeks ago. You said I was terrible. Like, Yeah, I fucking like, said it. I fucking yeah. said it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah Brooksy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Brooksy. Yeah. I mean, Torts in Chicago would just be. Torts Are you a fan of him? I am. I, like, I just, I just same, like the entertainment yeah. uh, side of it. Like, I understand <laughs> why maybe he'd be a coach that could rub rub team the wrong way. But I've actually always been of the opinion. I think Torts is somebody that's perfect as a midseason replacement to a struggling team to kind of come in. Maybe not like kick, bottom of the basement. Yeah, just like kick that in the kick in the yeah. pants to say, okay, I'm yep. coming in here. This is how we're going to do things. Let's go on a run. Let's get hot. I think he's the type of coach that over two, three years, he can wear on you a little bit. And you're just sick of the the act and the whole charade. And especially <laughs> yeah, if you're yeah. losing, that, that obviously gets worse. But I think he's the perfect midseason coaching candidate to try to, to cure something. So maybe that happens. Maybe it's not with the Hawks, but maybe it's with somebody. I, I hope season. it is. I had a goalie coach just like him, and when I had an off night, he'd be like, Matt, you couldn't stop a beach ball tonight. And (laughs) that's how Tortorella is. He's like, I need a goddamn save. You know, like it is. And I I feel like sometimes we need guys, you need a guy like that to push. Like you said, though, maybe it gets old after a while, and maybe the Jackets were like, okay, Torts, we we know, we get it. We get it. They were really bad, too. But a lot of players, they rave about him. Like uh, St. Louis Mm -hmm. loves him, and. I think Seth Jones even did. So I, think, I mean, I it would be it'd be awesome if he came here. My opinion, I yeah. think he's the exact guy we need. He can I, set up a good defensive system. I don't think Colleton can. I think he's the type of guy when you have a winning team, he'd be a lot of fun to play for. Like you're you're kind of going to war. Yeah, he get, might get a little yeah. crazy here and there, but when you're winning, it, it feels good. <laughs> yeah. When you're losing, I I think that that like. I mean, we all know Columbus wasn't great the past couple of years, and he's probably going in doing his whole same thing. And I think even the room knows, like, come on, we're not a playoff team here. Like, we're we're, we're doing our best with what we've got, but we don't have a, a great hand to deal with. And I think that led to him not having the job there. But I don't think he's going to last too long on the market. I feel like he is going to be uh, that candidate that, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be Chicago, but maybe another team in the league. Uh, that has a rough start and fires a coach. I, I think Torts is going to be towards the top of the list of, of most teams out there. You know, Hopefully I want to I want to retouch on Torts in oh, a second, God. but go on ahead, Matt, with uh, with your question. Oh, uh, it's from uh, Nick from the FHN Net. Um, actually, it's not really a question. It's more like a kind of like a little bet, I guess you could say, a little rivalry. Who is going to be better, Chicago or the Rangers? <laughs> I obviously said Chicago. Yeah, we had we got better, and I think New York got tougher, and they lost a really key offensive player, and uh, I think we could be a better team than them. Well, here here's how I'd answer this. I think the Hawks have the better chance to make the playoffs this year. That's that's where I sit because I think the division sets up a bit more for them. The conference sets up a bit more for them. 
I think the Rangers are, are still going to have a tough time. That, it's just so competitive in the Eastern Conference right now. The Atlantic stacked, the Metro stacked, and uh, there's only going to be a couple wild card spots up for grabs. And there's good teams in the Atlantic that won't finish in the top three. And there's good, great teams in the Metro that won't finish in the top three. So if I'm strictly putting the two teams side by side and we're taking you know conferences and divisions and everything out of it, I am going with the New York Rangers. I, I think they're just slightly better at this point. Um, but it's not by much. I, I don't think it's a big gap between those two teams. And if I'm betting money on one of those teams to make the playoffs, I think I feel safer with Chicago right now just based on where they are and, and the division that they play in. And I, I think it's just going to be supremely difficult. Like, who do we bump out to put the Rangers in in the Metropolitan Division? It's going to have to be one of these powerhouse teams uh, that you know makes the playoffs every single year. I think Carolina is a playoff team going into next year uh, back in the Metropolitan Division now. Washington, they've had their struggles in the playoffs, but they're always a good regular season team. Pittsburgh seems to be playing quite well uh, over the past couple of seasons. I think they get a spot and the Islanders are there too and Philly's going to want a spot. So you start to run out of uh, of spots for the Rangers. It's going to be really competitive for them. One follow-up here. What happens game one versus the Capitals? Who is on the ice? Who's dropping them? Is it going to be Reeves versus Wilson? Like oh Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan type <laughs> of match? Or what's it? What? I'm hoping they send a message early to Rangers like, hey, you, yeah. re- we had to reamp our whole team because of you. So let's get this out of the way. I'm, I'm curious what would happen there because, um, you know, Tom Wilson's a tough guy. We know he throws the body around. We know he's not really afraid to drop them. But... I've noticed throughout the course of his career that he can maybe duck and dodge some of the bigger heavyweights in the league. And I've seen him He's try here. to catch yep. try to catch guys napping a little bit. Like guys aren't really ready for the fight and, and he'll jump them. And that's not to say he's not a tough guy. Like he, he could kick the crap out of most guys in the league. But I think he picks his spots a little bit. And I feel like a fight where him and Ryan Reeves are just dropping the gloves at center ice and it's a fair fight. I don't know if that's one that, that Tom Wilson really wants a piece of, but he might have no choice. I don't think Reeves yeah, is going to give him too I'm much excited. of a choice. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> yeah. for that Sign one. me up. And they're going to play a yeah. lot, right? So yeah, uh, I'm sure yeah. they'll have plenty of opportunities to have some animosity. Uh, I couldn't I couldn't imagine him doing something stupid and then being on Ryan Reeves' shit list, you know? Oh, God. <laughs> He's probably yeah. got Tom Wilson, number one. Evander well, Kane, Evander one, Kane. B. Yeah, Kane. Yep. one B. <laughs> oh, yeah, I hope none of us are on that list. Yeah, no I'm kidding. Well. I'm not saying anything bad about Reed. Yeah. So no, no, no chance. I think he's a great no. player, to be honest. Uh, me too. With you. I actually do. Like, I'm not even just saying that. I do think he's underrated. Um, I think he sucks. No, I'm just kidding. Just <laughs> you hear that, Reed? Yes. So, you know, Zadaroff made a statement uh, a couple days ago about Nathan McKinnon and what it's like to play to play with him. You know, and, and yeah. you no, know, he's saying that, you know, he wants everybody to, you know, kind of eat like he does. He had the pasta replaced in the in the cafeteria with chickpea pasta, you know, and, you know, in practice, if if passes are aren't right on his stick, you know, he's just letting them go by, you know. And look, I, I get it. You know, you, you want to make your your team better and you want to be you want to be a leader. But I think that there's certain things that that you can do that could really piss guys off, you know, especially when you, you lose in the playoffs because, you know, you're not scoring in games that you need to score and, you know, and, and you've got these antics. Now I'm not saying that, you know, Nathan McKinnon is, is a bad leader. I'm saying that he's a young leader. And I think that some of his antics might be, you know, maybe might just be a little bit too much. And I want to use torts as a, as an example, because as a coach, you know, he goes out there and, you know, he says stuff and, he, you know, he goes to get you pumped up. But 
he's not changing your way of life, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, 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 and what you want to do. Personally, if I was playing with McKinnon and, you know, we're, we're in practice and, we're, you know, we're all putting it out there and, and I make a pass and it's, you know, not right on the tape, but maybe a little bit ahead of him and he just lets it go by and, and he wants to, you know, blame you on it. That would piss me off, man. You know, where do you stand on with, I'll, I'll even say it, this borderline diva behavior that, that, you know, some players will call leadership. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, and and it's kind of been the topic of the hockey world. We're in, you know we're in August, we're in the dog days. There's not a lot going on now that free agency is over. So a lot of people have kind of been talking about this and whether they think this is a good idea of leadership or whether this is maybe going a bit too far. I think some of the things in there are a bit too far, like changing the pasta for other guys. Like it's fine if you want to eat like that. If, yeah. if you want to be that guy that that you know really takes care of yourself and and eats right, that's that's great. I think that's all good. You should do that if if that's the route you want to go. But I don't think you need to sick that on on everybody else. You can suggest it to some guys and say, hey, I've got this you know this diet plan. It's working for me. Maybe you should try it out. But I don't know about forcing it on guys. I think everybody sort of has to make their own decisions and everybody's a bit different, right, with their body and what they want to put into it and how they want to get out of it. Like, uh, you know, Phil Kessel, right? He's he's someone that's kind of like a freak of nature. Do you really see yeah. him eating like the healthy pasta? And I could be way off on that. Maybe Phil actually is eating. Chili dogs. I wouldn't really want healthy. him yeah. to. No, exactly. Just keep eating the chili dogs and keep sniping like 30, 35 goals. That's, that, that's totally fine. But I, I think some of what came out is a bit far. And uh, yeah, again, how much of it is 100% true? How much of it, you know, is just sort of, uh, you know, word of mouth? But it, it, I, I'm going to believe it because it's coming from a teammate and someone that, that's sort of played with them. It hasn't been denied or shot down as of yet, as of our conversation right now. So some of it would tick me off. I mean, the, you know, the thing that you referenced where he's you know, missing passes by just an inch and, and letting them go past them, that would frustrate me. But in a way, also, if I was that player, I think I'd be competitive enough to say, you know, bite my tongue and, and say, okay, I want to be better. I want to make that pass a little bit better. So some of the practice stuff, I, I think I'm actually okay with, but the diet stuff and, and changing things that, that your teammates do off the ice, I, I think that's stuff that you kind of need to stay out of and you can give your opinion on, but that it probably needs to be left at that. What do you think, Matt? Yeah. Well, I'm kind of going to jump back to Ryan Reeves with this. I think a guy like Ryan Reeves on your team would keep that behavior like he wouldn't let that happen, you know. Like Jamal Mayers, he'd kind of keep guys. Uh, actually, the guy in Boston uh, was Sean Thornton. He mm. kind of kept his teammates in line. Like, hey, you don't act like that. Don't act like that. You know, he he keep you honest. Um, as far as the pasta thing, I didn't really hear about that, but that's kind of crazy. But um, you know what? I think he's could be the future captain over there. Uh, I'm. I don't know. If, Landeskog was probably the right decision to resign him. I'm, I was on the Grubauer train with that. I thought they did the wrong thing, and I thought McKinnon would be wearing the C. But you know what? I think he's like you said, Jake. He's from the same town as Crosby. Those two are like twins. You know, they do like the same yeah. things. I could see him being more of the quiet, like follow me leader on the ice type. Like my actions, maybe not so good of a locker room captain, like like a Taves maybe. That's uh, just me, but I mean, we're not there, so we don't really know. He yeah. seems super competitive, which, yeah. you know, no obviously if, about you, it. if you get to this yeah. point uh, as a professional athlete in really any sport, you have to be competitive. But he seems like he's got a bit of a different edge to him. And you could tell at the end of the season, like obviously every, any team that gets knocked out is going to be upset. But you he's could pissed. tell that. 
Yeah. yeah, that he was like it wasn't even just upset. Like he was just like pissed off that this season was over. And I, I think he puts a lot into it. So he puts his heart into it. And you can agree or disagree with with the leadership tactics, but I don't think you can uh, discount the fact that he wants to win really bad. Right. And I don't think you're ever going to come in and say, "Oh, Nathan McKinnon doesn't want it," and he's dogging it out there because he never dogs it. Uh, so we do have to give him credit for that because I, I think he, you know, all of this that he's doing, whether you know whether you think it's the right thing or not, is all about trying to get the team to the, the, its ultimate goal winning the Stanley Cup but you mentioned Landeskog as well too like what's what does he think about all this I'd love to hear he's, I love to hear yeah, his he's, like, he's the, the captain he's, he's, the, the, he's captain. the stooge in the back yeah yeah, right. yeah. yeah. I got like the passes. Seat. Those are some yeah. shit who's the captain here who's the captain this is here, good pasta this is really yeah. good pasta <laughs> maybe he's guys, on board with the whole yeah. thing like maybe they're like a tandem or something I don't know but yeah I don't know yeah that that, that part was kind of curious to me like who's the captain here is it is it Gabe or yeah is it Nate? exactly yeah it sounds like Nate is but I mean I I think if you you had a guy like you know what uh Taves was struggling at times he kind of had like a Seabrook like there over his shoulder like hey yeah. calm down I think McKinnon needs one of those like a guy that'll keep him in line like come on don't say stupid stuff like that like, <laughs> come, you know what I mean just let's let's play hockey do your job yeah and I think this is all gonna blow over and stuff but still I mean like you said Jake like this guy he's not even wearing the C and Landis Cog's like, oh, I'm whining about my contract not being done yet. Blah, blah, blah. I want $8 million a year or whatever he got. Yeah, which, and McKinnon's over here eating chickpea soup for, for lunch. Yeah. Uh, no wonder why he's mad months. about everyone's food. He's not getting paid like Landis Cog, and he's it's made, twice the player. It's made for yeah. some good social media memes. Though, oh, like, it's uh, been great. Like people kick it, like McKinnon kicking down the door if someone's like opening a candy bar wrapper or something like yeah. that. Like, there's, there's been some good ones out there. So at least it's given us some enter- entertainment here in the, uh, in the dog days of of the hockey offseason. <laughs> yeah, it's getting to like some of these Chuck Norris jokes, man. They've been yes. they've been really good. So Zadorov brought this all up. Right? right. Yeah. That's probably why he's not in Colorado anymore. Oh, dude, it's gonna be interesting. Flames versus uh, Avalanche. But, yeah, I, yeah I, actually, I, I could see McKinnon being like, "Who the hell do you think you are? You get a hundred million hits a year, and you get two points. Shut up." <laughs> I do appreciate. I, would... I do appreciate the fact though that like he's. Basically, what he said too is like the guys can do whatever they want in the off season. I'm, you know, I'm not going to control what what grown men do in in the off season. Right. Uh, but once you come into the building and the season starts, we're all in one goal. We're all a team. We're all trying to go win the Stanley Cup. So we're all going to try to be on the same page here. But I, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm just more old school in this thought. But guys like not even be able to having a having a drink and stuff like that. Like. I feel like a lot of hockey is about that camaraderie. I'm not saying they should be getting hammered every single night before their games. There, there has to be a line, but I do feel like you got to enjoy yourself a little bit. You're in the NHL, and I think there's something to be said for balancing out that healthy lifestyle and also still having some fun with the guys because I think that actually does build up team chemistry, right? To, to just well, have, have a little fun. 100%. Danny Savard used to smoke before games. <laughs> According to Jeremy Roenick, I read his I book it. and he's like, I believe He's it. like, man, I, I'm here. I am a 19 year old kid in the locker room, and I see this little French guy smoking outside the locker room, and, I'm, and he's like, that's Denny Savard. And then he'd like, go score three goals. Mc- yeah. McKinnon would murder him. Like yeah. if that was today. Yeah, actually, Jake, that's one of my that's like one of my main points is that yeah, not being able to hang out with the guys, and maybe you, some guys start to resent you a little bit because you know some guys will respond to that and be like, yeah, I need to work harder. And then there's other guys mm-hmm. that are like, you know what, man, this guy's a dick and I'm sick of playing with him. You know, like yeah. they won't respond to that. I, I think a good leader is someone who knows, hey, I can 
I can push this guy this way. And then, and then another guy, I could, I can come up to him and be like, Hey man, what's going on? What's up with you? What, what, you know, what happened with that pass? You know, it's yeah. like, maybe the dude's like, you know, and I just found out my mom's got cancer, you know, and he's not telling anybody. That's why I'm not getting these tape to tape passes, you know, instead of being berated in, in front of the whole team. I, I mean, I, I, I really do. I like McKinnon, man. Uh, watching his, his, his end of, uh, his end of season press conference right after they lost, you know, like I felt it like, oh, yeah. I'm like, that's what I would feel like, you know, because I'm a pretty competitive guy, you know, and you could see that it was just eating him inside. Like, I can't believe I am sitting here doing this fucking press conference after this game, you know, like yeah. I, you could just see it in his eyes, e- even with the way he's responding to, to, um, to the reporters, you know? I think that he's a great player. I just question his his leadership style. That's it. And I just thought it was it made for good good conversation. Yeah. Well, he had to have been in almost shock at that point yeah, because he bought thinking in. back thinking back to that series and kind of the narrative surrounding Colorado during that playoff run. They sweep the first round. They win the first two games against Vegas. And I was asking myself. I even brought this up on air. Are they going to go undefeated into the cup final? Like if they sweep yeah. Vegas, if they win the next two games, they're probably hooking Montreal in the uh, third round. They easily. Could, they yeah. should sweep them. They should have they would have beat them easily. So I'm thinking they might go 12 and 0 going to the cup final. We might be witnessing like some history here yeah. uh, and then they never won a game again. So <laughs> I I think that was a bit shocking and and in that third game I remember, I believe it was a Friday night uh, because I remember watching that game and Colorado was up late in that game. And I, I thought, okay, they go up 3-0. This this thing's over. Uh, this is Vegas' season on the line here. They need to find a way to win this game. And they they tie it, then they win it late. And I thought, okay, a little heartbeat, but I still feel like Colorado's going to win this series. And yeah, like I said, they never won a, a game again. So I feel like Nathan McKinnon and probably a lot of the Avs were just sort of in shock at that point. I, think, I, I can't Flower. believe I'm sitting up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can't believe, I can't believe we just lost this. Yeah, they, they, you could tell that they completely bought in. Maybe they were listening to, you know, reports and everything, listening to the media because they, I think that they completely bought in and were in complete shock. A one hundred percent, man. Um, I would have much rather have seen Colorado versus Tampa Bay in the in, in the Cup final. Would have been great. It yeah. really sucked. That I mean, that, I, that, that Cup final was not fun. Like I, yeah. I've, you know, now Good looking back. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And I, we did, we did get to see the dominance of Tampa Bay. But, but yeah. like you said, I, I just think Tampa, Colorado would have had so much, you know, sex appeal to it. And yeah. I think for the league and for hockey, that's what you needed. And you know, it's nice to have a Canadian team in there. And I, I don't think the the game needs to be sold in Canada. I don't think anybody in Canada was watching the game extra because Montreal was in the mix. I, I really don't believe that translates past the state of Quebec and past. Montreal Canadiens fans. I don't think people really care, you know, if you're in Western Canada, uh, you know, or you're in Toronto or something like that. And I just felt like such a dull series where you knew what the result was going to be, and that Tampa Bay was just clearly the better team. Like Tampa got to face the 18th or 19th best team in the NHL, and I would have much rather see like the two top teams go head to head. So I was a little bit disappointed. Yeah, Yeah, I was a little disappointed just by the way uh, that the, the the bracket was set up and everything was set up. Uh, that we didn't get that that matchup because I, I just think hockey needs that. You need that yeah. like cup final matchup. It feels like in the NBA every year you get a great finals matchup with two teams that are are two of the top teams that deserve to be there. And in the NHL, some years you just don't get that. Like we got t- Tampa Dallas the year before. Dallas was kind of a surprise story. And now we get Tampa Bay Montreal. I'm just waiting for that like delectable matchup in the Stanley Cup final. Maybe like the Blackhawks versus Tampa Bay in, in 2022. Exactly. Well, that was I one. I thought the Bruins was good too. We, we talked. We yeah. talked about that. That was actually one of our questions a few weeks ago, uh, where we talked about our favorite Cup final 
uh, over the last, I think it was 15 years, we went back, or maybe we went back 20 years. And I said, my, my answer was uh, Boston-Chicago. That was my answer for best series because you go back and look, and I'm sure you guys remember it as good as anybody, you go back and look at that series and some of the games and lead changes and double overtimes and there's like a 6-5 overtime game in there as well uh, and then obviously what happened to win that series at the end with Dave Bolin uh, scoring yeah. that goal and throwing the gloves off even though oh he still had gosh. like 45 I seconds I was like it's over yeah. it's over the game's over you know yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, okay wait 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 we still yeah. gotta face off we still gotta like lock this thing yeah. down but he, sh- he was- should have fought somebody yeah, that yeah. <laughs> all right let's go that was the series that when I went back and I looked through the box scores I thought man this was just like a banger of a series like there was not a single boring game here yeah yeah. Oh, yeah I thought the Tampa Bay Islanders series was better than the cup final. That Agreed. should have been yeah. the final. Yeah. That would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I, I hope that. they can get Tarasenko, the Islanders jump into them. Cause if they get a stud of offensive stud, they're going to be a very, very good team. Scary. They're already scary. Tarasenko, but, Barzell. Yeah. My, well, my worry, my worry about the Islanders, uh, you know, we were kind of talking about the Rangers earlier and how competitive that that's going to be. I love the Islanders, too. I think that they're a team, once they get into the playoffs, they're about as dangerous as anybody. I mean, they've lost to Tampa Bay the last two years that's gone on and won the Stanley Cup. So you can argue the Islanders could be the team that's that's back-to-back yep. Cup champs right now. So right yeah. I, think, yeah. I think highly of them. My only issue with them, and maybe they can solve it with some more scoring and, and bringing somebody in, is I think their success translates more over to playoffs than it does regular season. I don't know so much if they're built for that regular season success. And in a really tough competitive Metro and Eastern Conference, I don't think their playoff spot's guaranteed. But if you can tell me they're going to get in, uh, I think they're going to be a very dangerous team once they get in. I just feel like the regular season might be the the more difficult battle for them. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate you coming on with us. You know, we love having you on. We love talking hockey. We had a great uh, hockey conversation tonight. Um, We're definitely going to get you back on in the future. But uh, once again, thanks a lot, man. That's all that we got for you tonight, everybody. This is a Tomahawk, and we're out of here.